Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Hello and welcome back to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stoner, and thank you again for joining me this week. Uh, I wanted to go over, I saw some stats about reading, and as you know, I'm a I'm a big reader, I'm an avid reader, and now, as much as anything, I'm an avid listener to content every day, all the time. You know, I don't listen to music that much anymore because there's so much good stuff out there that I just, I feel like when I'm listening to music, I'm kind of wasting my time, but... I was watching a TikTok that was showing stats about reading, and I was just completely, just completely shocked at some of these stats. And I wanted to read them to you, but but before I read them to you, I wanted to show, I wanted to have you listen to something that was really funny. I, you know, you guys know I'm a big scuba diver, and um, I love scuba diving. I I was listening to an interview today about this these scuba divers, and they they had a funny story that uh, that I wanted you to hear. It has nothing to do with the episode at all, other than I think you'll get a chuckle out of it. So here it is. Just to give you a little bit of context, the bloke that we're about to talk about is a commercial saturation diver, set diver for global divers of Louisiana. He performed underwater repairs on offshore drilling rigs, uh, and this is an email that he sent to his sister. Hi, Sue. Just another note from your bottom-dwelling brother. Last week, I had a bad day at the office. I know you've been feeling down lately at work, so I thought I would share my dilemma with you to make you realise, you know what, it's not so bad after all. Before I can tell you what happened to me, I first must bore you with a few technicalities of my job. As you know, my office lies at the bottom of the ocean. I wear a suit to the office. It's a wetsuit. This time of the year, the water is quite cool. So what we do to keep warm is this. We have a diesel-powered industrial water heater. This $20,000 piece of equipment sucks the water out of the sea and heats it to a delightful temperature. It then pumps it down to the diver through a garden hose, which is taped to their ear hose. Now, this sounds like a good plan, and I've used it several times with no complaints. What I do when I get to the bottom and start working is I take the hose and I stuff it down the back of my wetsuit. This floods my whole suit with warm water. It's like working in a jacuzzi. Absolutely delightful. Everything was going well until all of a sudden my butt started to itch. So, of course, I pulled the hose out from my back, but the damage was already done. In agony, I realised what had happened. The hot water machine had sucked up a jellyfish. <laughs> and it pumped it into my suit. And now, since I don't have any hair on my back, the jellyfish couldn't stick to it. However, a crack in my ass was not so fortunate. When I scratched what I thought was an itch, it was actually grinding the jellyfish into my ass crack. <laughs> I informed the dive supervisor of my dilemma over the communicator. His instructions were unclear due to the fact that he, along with five other divers, were all laughing hysterically. Needless to say, I aborted the dive. I was instructed to make three three agonizing in-water decompression stops totaling 35 minutes before mm. I could reach the surface to begin my chamber dry decompression. When I arrived at the surface, I was wearing nothing but my brass helmet. <laughs> As I climbed out of the water, the medic, with tears of laughter running down his face, handed me a, t- a tube of cream and told me to rub it on my butt as I got in the chamber. The cream would put the fire out, but I couldn't poop for the next two days because my asshole was swollen shut. <laughs> so yeah, next time you're having a bad day at work, think about 
uh, how much worse it would be if you had a jellyfish shoved up your ass. <laughs> oh my god! Absolutely classic. I that's one of the funniest dive stories I have ever heard. So yeah, it's terrible down there. If something's going wrong, you know, there's limited things that you can do. But man, that was hilarious. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. All right, let's talk about reading. So the stats that I've talked. Well, one, I hope you are reading. I hope you. I became an avid reader probably when I was about 35. Um, and man, I went to, I was in one of those like, uh, you know, like oh, multi-level marketing things. And, and one of the things, uh, most of those don't work, but some of them do have good lessons to learn, especially about leadership. And I did learn a lot about leadership in, the, in that uh, uh, multi-level marketing thing. And so well, it was called Quickstar and it, I, I didn't realize that it was part of what was called Amway at the time and it was their online version. They rebranded it. So nobody said Amway. They all said Quickstar, but it was before Amazon. And it was like, yeah, it was like people were going to buy online. We're going to set up an online store and everybody will buy their everything online. I'm like, heck yes, they will. And so I felt like I was an early adopter of something and. It never really did work, but I sure did learn a lot. So, and then Amazon came along and showed everybody how to do it. But anyway, so here's some stats I thought were very interesting. 33% of high school graduates never read another book for the rest of their lives. 42% of college graduates never read another book for the rest of their lives. 80% of, of U.S. families did not buy or read a book last year. I mean, of all years with COVID, uh, you would think people were getting into books more. 70% of U.S. adults have not been a bookstore in the last five years. 57% of new books are not read to completion. Um, I have had, I definitely have had that happen. I sometimes just drop out of a book. It just is not getting to me. And so I drop out of it. Um, if you read, and here's some stats that I really like, and, and I can tell you the compounding effect of reading is similar to the compounding effect of working out. You work out once or read one book, there's no change. But, you know, if you constantly read or constantly work out, there's going to be change. And the more intent you are about reading it, and, and I really don't mean reading for pleasure, like, you know, fiction. Um, I'm, I'm not saying I don't do that because I do read fiction stuff every once in a while, but the majority of my intake is through, um, you know, through it's, it's professional books and things like that. So um, if you read one book per month, that you will, that will put you in the top 1% of income earners in our society. If you read one book a week, which is say 50 books a year, have a couple weeks of vacation, that will make you one of the best educated, smartest, most capable and highest paid people in your field. That is a fact in any field. Um, you know, regular reading definitely transforms your life. It, you become a different person with regular reading. Well, with regular anything you do, whether it be a good habit or a bad habit, if you're a regular smoker or you're a regular fast food eater or you're a regular, uh, you know, you work out or you read or you yoga or you do anything, you become that. And uh, the top people read. And whenever you get around a lot of top people, they're all talking about books and reading books and putting stuff in their brain that is uh, for the better. So 
And Larry Wingate, he said, uh, if you read, he, it might not have been his quote, but I heard him say it, that if you read a hundred books on your profession or your skill set, you know, what you do, you will be considered a world-class expert on the subject. Now, in the chimney business, there's not a hundred books to read, but um, there are a hundred books on, you know, marketing, self-development, uh, leadership, you know, all those kind of things that you can read a hundred books around what you're doing. And you will become a world-class expert on that subject. And that's where the money is, right? But the more educated you are and the more you use it, the more people come to you and are willing to pay for your knowledge. So Because it's rare. It's rare and it's, you know, like I've probably read and listened to close to a thousand books at this point in my life. I mean, I am consuming books uh, as fast as I can every day. As soon as I get in the car, book is on. Sometimes it's a podcast. Um, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'll talk about now before I tell you my, my top 10 books of new foundational and my top 10 books that are new books. So here's how I do it. I mostly listen to books on Audible, uh, the app called Audible. And I have a subscription. It gives me three books a month. And um, I then on the app, I speed up the reader to 1.3 is a good number for me to to make it go fast. So in other words, you're consuming about a third more and it doesn't sound too Mickey Mouse. It depends on the author or the person reading it. But typically 1.3, 1.4 is a good place for me to listen and still enjoy it and take it in. But I push the car. There's In the upper right-hand corner is a little uh, icon of a car and I push that. Then it turns the screen very simple. It has a backup 30-second button, and it has a clip button and a play button, obviously. The clip button is what, what I'm talking about. When I'm listening to something, I'm like, oh, wow, that's good, or I need to remember that, I hit the clip button. And what that does is basically puts a, like a highlighter in the book, a digital book. So then I listen to the whole book, and then I go back and I re-listen and re-listen to all those book clips and make notes, especially if I'm trying to make a podcast or I'm trying to make a speech or I'm really just trying to remember the book. And uh, one of the things I can remember a lot about are each book that I read. And a lot of people can't remember what's in books, but for me, I'm actively reading. I'm not just listening and, and you know, my mind's going somewhere. I mean, not that that doesn't happen, but I'm actively listening for aha moments and clipping them and going back and listening to that book. And when you do that, you can remember the highlights, the, what that book really meant to you. It's like your own Cliff Notes version of the book. But so, you know, I've been talking about reading forever. So I'm going to talk about my foundational top 10 books that you have to read. I mean, these to me are just must reads and they are, um, you just have to. And then I'm going to talk about kind of my new top 10 late, you know, new books that I think are very good and that will become classics. So here's my foundation, foundational top 10 books. How to Win Friends and Influence People, I will say it, you've, if you listen to anything, you've heard this book a million times, it's almost like a secret weapon. You need to read it multiple times. I've read it about eight times. I'm about due to read it again. Every time I've read it, it seemed like a different book. I've gotten something different out of it. you got to actively read that with a highlighter or clip features. And it really helps you just understand how people are wired and how to talk to people and how to get the most out of conversations 
and how to get the most out of just relationships. It's it's just it's it's magic. Uh, Failing Forward by John Maxwell. I've talked about that book a million times. Love that book. It teaches you how to fail. And you, if you're going to grow a big business, you got to learn how to fail. Well done. Uh, I won't go into what each book is, but uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Uh, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Uh, that's uh, John Maxwell. Uh, Good to Great, Jim Collins. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. That teaches you so much about how to think about business. You're Broke Because You Want to Be, Larry Wingett. And it's called Work for a Reason, Larry Wingett. Uh, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. I just love the way Malcolm Gladwell thinks about things and researches different phenomenons to kind of give you a different spin on things. You know, I can tell you this, too. uh, Early on with Larry Wingett, uh, when I read his books, he was such a he was so clear with what you know, his direction was and his, his thought process was, I was just impressed with how clear he was and, and how fair and, but, but also a good leader and kind of harsh, kind of very different than me as a leader. And when I was early on in listening, you know, trying to grow a company and I wasn't the leader I needed to be, and I knew it, uh, I would have, I would play Larry Wingate clips from his CDs or audios to my group. And I'm like, you know, hear this, hear what he's saying right here. This is what we're going to do. This is what I believe is right. And we're not doing it that way right now. And we're going to start doing that way. So before I was a leader, I just used who I felt was a strong leader and had people listen to that person. And I know people have used my podcast and and different parts of my books to have their companies listen to things. And so, you know, whatever it takes, I have I have I send TikToks and Facebooks and things to my leadership crew all the time of people who say stuff that I think will help them. So the next part is my my uh, new top 10 that I think uh, people should read or that meant something to me that I think uh, was lasting. So Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. I highly recommend you listen to that book and not read it because when you listen to it in between each chapter, D- David Goggins doesn't read the book. He has a you know professional voice guy do it, but he talks between every chapter. It's almost like a podcast within an audiobook, and they talk about the chapter and kind of get into some details that weren't in the book. Um, Extreme Ownership, Jocko Wilnick, uh, Wilnick, Leif Babin. I went over a big Extreme Ownership uh, part for my podcast. Love that book. My whole team's read it. Loser Think by Scott Adams. Loser Think is a way that he shows a lot, shows you how you're thinking wrong about so many things. He's the guy who created the Dilbert cartoon and uh, he just has a brilliant way of, of looking at things, uh, and things differently than you have before and coming up with a different solution than you normally would. I think a lot of, a lot of books, what you need them to do is challenge the way you think and help you understand there's other ways to think, kind of open your brain for more wisdom. You know, the more you read, too, 
the less you know. You realize there's so much more to know. And I think a lot of leadership is, you know, you kind of start speaking less in absolutes and more in questions. You know, you ask more questions because you know there's so I, I always always rather ask questions of people and learn than me be the one talking. And so um the next one was The Road Less Stupid. Keith Cunningham. I loved that book. There was so many gold nuggets in the road less stupid. It just, it was one of those wow books for me for business and leadership. Not nice. Aziz Gazapura, I believe is his name. The thing about this book is he's a, you know, super nice guy. And he just talks about how nice is a four letter word. And what you really want to be is kind. Nice is typically selfish. Nice is for yourself. So people like you. Kind is almost always for others. And in that book, he teaches you how nice is really, you want to not be nice. I don't mean, you know, a mean person, but a lot of times when it's, especially it's in a selfish thing or you won't say the hard thing or you won't do the hard thing because you don't want people to be mad at you or, or whatever, but it needs to happen. That's really what he's talking about. Kind of being bold in life. Um, never split the difference. God, that was such a good book. Chris Voss, FBI uh, hostage negotiator. And he talks about how he uh, translates that into business. And it is just fascinating. Uh, the Happiness Advantage, love that book. Uh, Scott Acor, uh, that was given to me a couple of years ago or told to me about that by uh, my wife's cousin, and uh, he's an, a lawyer. And I just, that Happiness Advantage just helped me understand that basically a lot of people feel that, you know, once they get certain things in place, then they'll be happy. But actually the fact of the matter is it's the opposite being happy first makes all these things happen for you. And uh, it seems like you have a, a magnetic force when you have happiness on your side to begin with. So I love that book. Uh, the next book was The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Uh, Mark Manson. That book is just, it's kind of along the the lines of not nice, but how to not again, none of these are about being a bad person or taking advantage of people or anything like that. It's about learning um it's about learning how to what to take into yourself and what not to take into yourself and what to act on and what not to act on. Also Traction from Gino Wickman. That is a foundational business book. You hear that book talked about as much as any book right now in business. And it really talks about um, the entrepreneur operating system and how to have meaningful meetings, uh, tracking goals, tracking accountability, uh, having, you know, what they call rocks, which are the big things that have to get done every month. Uh, you know, one of the quick things in there is they talk about rocks and you've heard that, you know, that saying or that study or not study, that kind of a story about that, the, you know, teacher talked about, you know, he has a big jar, big glass jar and he puts some big rocks in it and he fills it to the top of the big rocks. 
And then, you know, he says, is it full? And everybody says, yes, it's full. And then he takes some smaller rocks and pours them in there and jiggles them between. And then he says, is it full? And they say, yes, it's full. And then he takes, uh, you know, sand and he pours it in there and he fills it all the way to the top. And he said, is it full? And they say, yes. And then he pours water in there and fills it all the top. And then it was full. But the point of it is, if you never got the big rocks in there first, they, you could have never fit them in at any other time. So the big rocks in this analogy is the big things you have to get done in the next 30, 60, 90 days. Th- those are the rocks because if you don't set them aside, uh, all the little sand and all the little things that are going to take up your time in your life are going to get in the way and kind of, uh, make you not have time to do the big stuff. You know, you get, you get busy doing, uh, you know, important, urgent, the urgent stuff and you forget to do the important stuff, which are the rocks. Uh, a couple more things. So the war of art. Stephen Pressfield, another just different way to think about stress and um, what you let in your brain. Oh, I forgot to mention in my foundational book, the foundational side, uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. I really like that book. It helped me um, help me think differently about money and and how everybody thinks about money in different ways and kind of. Not the right way to think of it, but, you know, a healthy way to think about money and things. Uh, so that was Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, uh, T. Harv Eckler. Now, there's some weird stuff in it where you kind of tap your chest or put your hand on your shoulder and say that you're worth it and all that. It's kind of, you know, affirmation stuff. I really don't like that. But uh, the book itself has some really good stuff in it. <laughs> And then, you know, of course, the main book everyone should read is Blue Collar Gold, How to Build a Service Business from the Ground Up. Uh, Just kidding. Hopefully you've read it. If you haven't read it, I still have some free copies. If anybody would like some, email me, mark at ashbusters.net. And, uh, you know, I got into, I did a, the reason I wrote a book to begin with, and this, this podcast isn't about the book. I wrote that book five, six years ago now. But uh, I'm about to do an upgrade on it. And then I was talking to my friend, uh, I think it was uh, Nathan Henry was saying that he thought I should go ahead and write the next book on leadership and then revise uh, how to, you know, blue collar gold. But <clears throat> got to get some more time to do it. But I've got a ton of notes and a lot of material to do it. But, you know, the reason I wrote a book is because I'd read a lot of books and I was in a thing, I was in like a course with Larry Wingate, and we. And part of the deal was learn to be a professional speaker and learn to write a book. And when I wrote the book, uh, I really thought no one would read it. And they told us no one re- would read it. They said, you know, you'll be lucky to sell 20 copies. You know, don't worry about it. It's really just more like a business card. And you can kind of tell people, hey, I wrote a book on the subject and it helps you get you indoors to do speaking gigs and that kind of thing. But really, and I hated writing and I hated, you know, I had a deadline. I got a publisher early on. This publisher picked me up and said, you know, we'd like to publish the book. And so there was a deadline. But if I didn't meet the deadline, I would have lost $3,000. So that was helpful, you know, to make sure I got it done. But I had to write basically 500 words a day. I had to write basically, I think, about 30,000 words. And then once it got through editing, it kind of gets pared down to about 25,000 words, which is a a good thin book, not a huge book. But um Again, when you think nobody's going to read it, and literally when they tell you nobody's going to read it, you don't want to put a lot of 
super time and effort into it, but I did. I put enough time into it to get it to get launched and get published. And then, uh, <laughs> and then it got, then I was on that TV show in 2017 and that book took off because I featured it in the TV show and it became a bestseller on Amazon briefly, but my publisher wasn't ready for it. They hadn't put enough books in bookstores and online. So it quickly sold out and stalled. As soon as it went to number one, it stalled because they couldn't ship. So then, uh, the, you know, then because it was being shipped to, you know, all the places, Books a Million, uh, Barnes and Noble, all the places were picking it up. And then um, about a year or maybe two years later, my publisher went out of business. And what that did was it caused all my books to not be able to be sold in the bookstores because the publisher owned the ISBN number, which is like the barcode on the back. When that barcode wouldn't link to anything, uh, it was over. And all of a sudden, I started getting all my books back. And I've talked about this a year or two ago on my podcast where I had had a bunch of free books. All these books started showing up at my door. And I'm like, oh, my God. So uh, I still have several, but most of them are gone now. You can Then I switched to Amazon and made them the publisher. And so they print on demand. So that, that works well. And then it, I have the book on Audible, which is a good thing, too, because a lot of people just listen to the book. I highly recommend if you listen to it speed me up on that one so uh but anyway that's uh that's kind of this week's take on books i hope you're reading i know you're listening if you're hearing this but i think reading is also a big part of i know for a fact it has changed my life dramatically in business and in leadership and also just being able to, I think, you know, the more educated you are, the less scared you are. I think the less, uh, the more, uh, the more weapons you have in your, in your arsenal to, to fight things or to know how things work or to, uh, be confident about things. I think reading gives you a lot of confidence in business. Now, clearly you have to act on what you read a lot. I mean, reading without action is just a big waste of time. And um, so clearly you must act on these. And I think the best way for me to act on them is to, again, clip them, reread them, and then write something on it or speak it in a podcast or talk about it at a at some level with any of the number of groups I'm in or the surefire lives that I do somehow get it back out in the world. And and I remember a guy, um, I was listening to a guy talk at one of our events one time and he said, you know, if you wanted to do a podcast that all you really need to do is like be, you know, the book report guy for your industry, read a book and then do a book report on it and, and, you know, do a video on it and do a podcast on it. And then you've got a whole podcast right there of just you reading books and giving your take on it. And, and I've done that on a handful of books. I think it would end up being kind of boring, but uh, I do think it's, I do think reading and 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 you putting it back out there and once you start saying what you're reading that's when it changes you right if you if for me if i read something i immediately get it out on a podcast or get it or talk about it in a company meeting or something uh then it, i remember it and then i've got it i've got the best use out of that book 
Also, I give a lot of books away. Like when I read a, a real hard copy book, I like giving those books away. And like How to Win Friends and Influence People, I've bought hundreds of those copies and I give it to my employees. I pay them hundred bucks to read it and give me a quick book report on it, what they got out of it. Uh, we did the same thing with several other books. Have um, Little Red Book of Selling, I think we did that with. And then uh, Sell or Be Sold, which is Grant Cardone's book. And then, of course, uh, Extreme Ownership. We've we've all read those as a company. And, and I'd like us to read more. I always think that my guys are going to pick up and start reading a lot after I make them read something because they always like it. And they always say, wow, that was a great, that was a great book. And, um, but then they don't, they don't pick it up. So that's going to be my podcast for the week. I do. I, it is September 11th um, when I'm recording this I'm, and I'm just looking up and, you know, just that just hit me, you know, the September 11th thing. And, and our world has changed so much since that day. You look back on those, and it seems so old. And but everybody remembers where they were, what they were going through, what they thought. And uh, still to this day, it was, you know, I, I've said it before. I was walking into a uh, I was speaking for a group of realtors and I was my wife called me when I was getting ready to drive up to this real estate place. It was actually a country club where they were having it. She said, did you see, you know, the plane, a plane hit the world train center? And I said, no, she's like, it's like a Cessna or a small plane. It's what they think. I'm like, Oh wow, that's weird. So I go on in, we're all talking, doing some stuff. And a couple of people said, you know, they, they put it on the TV, the one plane. And, and then they start to realize it was, it actually was a bigger plane. And then, the second, the second one hit, and then you knew that, that when that second one hit, your life changed immediately. The first one hit may have probably not changed your life, but when the second one hit, and then, uh, and then that that was the moment. And right after that, they're like, "Well, we're going to start the meeting," and I'm like, "You got to be kidding me! We're going to start this meeting, and the world is being attacked." And I was the first speaker up, and so. They're like, okay, well, welcome to the meeting. Uh, thank you for being here. We're going to have uh, Mark Stoner come up and talk about chimney fires. And <laughs> all I'm thinking is the World Trade Center looked like two chimneys on fire. And I got up there and, and I just sat there for a minute. I'm like, I don't want to talk. I just said that out loud. I said, I, I don't want to talk about fire and dangers when this is going on right now in our lives. And I started to cry. I said, I, I can't, I can't talk. And I sat back down and everybody just sat there in silence. There's like room full of like a hundred realtors and several of them came up and patted me on the back. And, and, uh, but you know, then they came up and they're like, yeah, you know what? Let's call this meeting. Let's, Let's not do this meeting. And uh, everybody was thankful. And I got so many real estate agents that came from that, came back and said, thank you for not speaking. It would have been really weird for you to talk about fires and death and dangers when when we're living it. And so I'll never forget that moment. But 
So that was September 11th. And then lastly, uh, I do want to, my, my best friend, Chris Adair, he, uh, he's been best friend for 30 years. He's, he works for me at Ashbusters. He's been our production manager for the last 12 years. And, uh, this Friday was his last day. We had a big going away party for him and, a, and a couple things for him. And it was sad. I, I got really choked up. I had, a, I really had a hard time losing him. Uh, he's, he's, his wife is, uh, they wanted to move to Raleigh where her family is and get closer to her father as, uh, you know, he ages. And then he, um, so once he got made that movie, got a, a nice, uh, an opportunity with a supplier that we know, and it's all going to work out well, but it sure did suck for me. I had a hard time with it and I hated it. And, uh, but it was all good for him, you know, in a selfish way. I hated it. Right. Hate to lose best friend, hate to lose. I mean, you don't lose him, but you don't see him every day. And he was such a foundational, you know, rock for our business. His, his presence was definitely felt, and uh, he, he will not be uh, able to be replaced in that way. We'll we'll keep working, and, and you know, but when you have a person that brings their all every day, and you can see it, um, that's a special person. And, and so, with that, I'm going to miss him. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed our the podcast on book reading. You better be reading. You, you got to make it happen. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.